This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Visual artist Joe Turpin's grandfather, Philip Wolfson, and his brothers arrived in South Africa as refugees from Lithuania in the late 20th century. They founded the Rustenburg Hebrew Congregation and included in the structure a time capsule. The capsule was discovered in February 2022 when the shawl was being sold and the stones removed. Joe currently has an exhibition on at the Northwest University Botanical Gardens Gallery in Potchefstroom, and he joins me now to tell me more. Joe, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, and thank you, thank you for having me here. It sounds almost like Indiana Jones style <laughs> of excitement. Joe, is that is that how it felt to you? That's definitely how it felt. Um, I mean, a time capsule being found in a synagogue um, that the building is being sold in South Africa apparently is not uncommon. It does happen. But it was that family connection. And it was that, well, it, it did happen and it happened with us, too. And we had no idea. So, yeah, certainly it was that element of excitement and just uh, wow. What did the time the, the bottle contain? Yeah, so I wish it was like a letter from the past to the future, but unfortunately it was nothing as mystical. But it was um, a couple of documents, uh, including the run of service, the list of all the synagogues, um, founding members, uh, and I think there was even a, a declaration to the... Um, UK monarchy at the time because it was, you know, pre-apartheid in South Africa. It was the time of British colonialism and empire. Um, so it was everything to do with the first service that was held at the shul. And do we have the date? Um, 1922. I think there is a date there. At the moment, it's slipping my mind. Um, no, yeah, wait, let me get this right. It was 1924. Sorry, that's my bad. Wow, 1924. so 1924. Yeah, so 98 years until... The bottle was found. That's how long it stood wow. behind that stone. I mean, that is incredible and, and emotional and moving. So tell me, um, you have memories of the shul and of Rustenburg. Yes, I have more memories of the cemetery. Um, there's two cemeteries um, in Rustenburg where there are Jewish sections. And I have memories of the newer one, uh, which is where my grandfather's buried. The shul, I had not so many memories except for more recently in my life. Um, I did manage to visit the shul in 2018 before the building was sold when it was still sort of being taken care of, even though there was no active worshipping congregation there anymore. So I'd seen it as a kind of ghost already, but with all of the Siddur still there, all of the marquees, the Star of David's, not even knowing that the bottle was behind the stone. Do you know a little bit about the Rustenburg Jewish community? I know uh, insofar as, you know, what my family have sort of told me and passed down to me. I know that it was quite big and tight-knit um, at one point. Um, after Tzafendus murdered Favut, there were some anti-Semitic um, responses, not just towards, I guess, the Jewish community in Rustenburg, but everyone who wasn't, who was a sort of eight-lander, the Greeks, the Italians, um, even the Muslim community. So, but even before that, before the state of apartheid was established in 48, there was um, anti-Semitic uh, instances, grey shirts recruiting in Rustenburg, and the Jewish community feeling very, you know, feeling a lot of anxiety um, about those happenings. Um, and, of course, you think about why a time capsule would have been left in a shul. It was because of that anxiety, because of that precarity, coming from the pogroms in Eastern Europe, not knowing what was going to happen. But it was a record that they could leave behind. It really is incredible to think what what our past was like. And 
in a way, the sadness that these small communities are left so derelict and are being sold, but that is how it goes. Yeah, that's that's kind of the reality, and that does form a big basis on what the exhibition is about, what the work is about, is that sense of memory, but also that sense of mourning of loss of a community that's no more, but that has left behind these relics. So I think we're going to take our advert break, and then when we come back, let's go into that exhibition. But before I go, we go into the advert. This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherise Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. And I'm talking to Joe Turpin, whose exhibition, When the Dust Settles, is currently on at the Northwest University Botanical Gardens Gallery in Potchefstroom. Um, you can view your exhibition online, which um, is obviously not the same as seeing it in, in situ, but tell me a little bit about what inspired the exhibition. Sure. So I was invited by the curator, Amohelang Mohajane, um, who's been bringing a lot of uh, younger, exciting, dynamic artists into the space and really injecting a lot of um, amazing art into the the university has two galleries so there's the main gallery and the botanic art gallery and i was working at the bag factory artist studios in joburg at the time when i was approached um, i went to study my master's degree in the states not knowing really what i was going to show um, was it just going to be a sort of random solo exhibition um, and so when the bottle was found last year knowing that the Potchefstroom is also in the northwest province, as is Rustenburg. So that gave uh, me the idea to make this body of work, which would then be site-specific to the northwest. So there's works about Rustenburg and the Jewish community, but also about the northwest province and, and Potchefstroom as well. And obviously, Potchefstroom, well, I don't, I don't know Potchefstroom very, very well. I know Rustenburg and maybe more in-depth Mbatu and Mahikeng, a little bit better. Yeah. That's a particularly interesting part of our country. It used to be a former Bantustan. Um, it, at some stage, had offered the best in terms of entertainment and education that South Africa offered. But it's gone through its own transformation, and bits and pieces of it are looking sad. Yeah, yeah. The university itself is quite interesting because it's a combination of the two former what they would say, the Black University, UNEBO, and the White University, PAKA, I think it was called, have come together um, to form NWU. But you'll find that people still refer to it by those old names, um, which is something, when I heard that, I was sort of encouraging people to let that go and just call it NWU now. Um, so you definitely get a sense of that, that history of division and that landscape. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, for curators like that to be inviting artists out um, and I went years ago my brother did a music show over there um, so there is this kind of thirst and hunger for for art for music for for culture um, and sometimes it means that we come from Joburg to do stuff there and the audience there it was absolutely amazing at the opening they were so receptive they were inquisitive and you can tell that they really enjoyed it and tell me a little bit about your artwork itself you are a visual artist which yes. means So I'm an artist, I'm also a researcher, um, and I make work across many disciplines, um, but my main passion is oil painting. That's the thing where I'm just by myself in my studio and I don't have to you know, worry about anything. When I do installations, which are really fun, which I really like, I do have to work with other people who have certain skill sets, and that does mean relinquishing a certain amount of control. Um, But I go into archival research. I find stories, whether it's 
usually it's been lately my own family history, um, but history in general, finding things that are interesting, which I can then portray, visualize, bring to life, um, and use art as a sort of multivaried approach for historical education, for awareness, and things like that. So I, I was told never, my mum told me, never to comment on somebody's accent, but I can't help notice. Um, are you, are you, were you raised in South Africa? Yeah, Joburg, born and raised. Uh, originally I was born in Yeovil. I grew up in the Greenside area, um, and I went to school in Emerentia, and that's my accent. And in New York? In, well, New York I studied from 2021 until earlier this year, two months ago, doing my master's degree in fine art. Um, I was at the Pratt Institute. Okay, and what was that like? That was an interesting experience. Um, I spent a lot of time doing archival research at YIVO, uh, which people might know about, the Yiddish Institute at the Center for Jewish History. A lot of South Africans who've got roots in Eastern Europe, um, the, a lot of the raw material is sort of there. Um, so that was really informing my studio practice while I was there. Um, I didn't find New York the easiest place to live weather-wise, cost-wise. It was quite difficult. Um, but I think it really developed my work uh, to a place where I'm now more sure of it. So as a young South African, do you see South Africa's home? I do, 100%. I've never questioned that myself. So your overseas exploration was just basically study, and now you're committed to the country. Yeah, yeah, it was to study, it was to sort of gather things, it was to learn as much as I could, be exposed to things, um, but really use it to develop a practice where I feel like there's so much potential here with our very fraught history, with our archives, um, the access to institutions, um, you know, the state of the museums and everything. It's not in a place where I think it should be left alone right now. And so I really want to come back and be part of that as much as possible. And Northwest University is a good place to start. You've had the opening and yes. people were receptive. Yeah, it was a, it was an amazing place to start, actually. Um, you know, I've always been a firm believer that you go where you're wanted, um, even if it's not necessarily where you put down roots. Um, you know, I've been lucky to travel and have my work. And so it was sort of a place on the map of this country where my family does have footsteps, though not in Potchefstroom itself, but the province. And so it was really exciting for me to come home and to delve into this more. And just remind me, forgive my ignorance, how far is Joburg from Potchefstroom? It's about an hour and a half's drive away. So it's not that that far. Were, members, no. were there any members of the Jewish community and your family there at the opening? There were. There were. There were members of my family. My brother came with me to the opening. There were members of the Jewish community from here in Joburg who traveled uh, with relatives. There were people who'd come from Pretoria, from Poch itself. I met so many amazing people. A lot of students at the university were there. So it, it did attract people. I think even since the opening, others have gone down when they can to check out the show. It did open on a Saturday, which meant that some more religious members of the community were not able to be there, but they've made up for it. So then. when does it close? It closes on the 31st of August. And your artwork is for sale? It's for sale. It's available for those um, who are interested. It's not a commercial gallery, um, so it is uh, a transaction that would happen directly with me as the artist. Yeah. And so we encourage people to go. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's so lovely how you have incorporated your art and the history and the area and your personal history and the story of the bottle into something that's become so m much more and so incredibly meaningful. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. Uh, and, you know, it's not easy to make work like this because there's a lot of confrontation. Uh, you're working with identity, with politics, with community, with history. And these are fraud histories. You know, it's the time of colonialism, of apartheid. If you think about the era when that bottle was hidden behind the stone from 1924 – the Holocaust, you know, the Cold War, apartheid in South Africa, the rise and fall, everything. So it's been difficult, but I hope that there's some reward from it. Uh, in terms of identity, and this would be the absolute last question, sure. um, to what extent can you, do you feel as a white Jewish South African comment on these issues through art? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. And for me, it goes to positionality. What's my position? Where do I find myself uh, in the world? And it is an uncomfortable look in the mirror. You're talking about privilege. You're talking about, you know, whiteness in post-colonial Africa. And what does that mean in fine art? And so that's what I wrote my thesis about in the States. And, you know, it, yeah, they're not easy conversations, but you do find that people have spoken about the Jewish position in relation to anti-colonial politics and so that's where I find myself. We should have maybe started off on that question. <laughs> um, Joe, um, your, your work is online. You can just Google it um, and obviously see it in person. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you and thanks to the audience as well. That was visual artist Joe Turpin talking about his exhibition, When the Dust Settles. That is all for today.